Good Friday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. Brent Hubs, glad to have you along with us on this Friday. Tennessee, Mississippi State tomorrow at noon for the Volunteers. Lots of questions continue. There's certainly hope with the play of the quarterback position. But I think Jesse and, and all you guys, it starts up front. What's Tennessee's offensive line going to look like? Riley Locklear listed as a game-time decision. I think we would all be surprised if Riley Locklear plays on tomorrow. Uh, given the fact he hadn't done anything on the practice field. So if he cannot go, what's Tennessee's answer at right guard? Well, obviously, I mean, the, the, Jeremy Pruitt has not made it a secret that he really likes the upside of Chris Akperogne. Well, how does he say it, AP? Akperigny. Chris Akperigny's pretty good. <laughs> but, but Chris played 10 snaps on Saturday, and even when, uh, you know, when, when Riley Locklear went out, the first guy that went in was Ryan Johnson. And so... Does Tennessee start three freshmen? I'm a bit skeptical. They, they, I, I would not be surprised if, if Chris does play, uh, you know, more as like a number two or a backup guy. Doesn't just get the ten snaps he got at the end of the Georgia game. He just got into practice a few weeks ago. I mean, like he missed all spring and but the question all is, fall camp. When you look at him, what are their other options at right guard? Jerome Carvin's. I mean, he's MIA at this point. I mean, he's on the practice field. But. He's not even. He, we, he Carvin is not even at this point with the twos. Right. I mean, Ollie Lane and Jackson Lampley, and Lampley played like fifteen last twelve snaps, or whatever Saturday. Ollie Lane got ten snaps. Carvin didn't. Right. I mean, like that. Like he is clearly uh, whatever for whatever reason, has been buried in, uh, behind those guys. So, yeah, you're right. There's not a lot of options because it's not like they're going to bump in Marcus Tatum there. Um, and they're not going to fl- – I don't think they're going to flip Trey to right to play Jameer Johnson at left, and Jameer Johnson has never repped at right. And they're not going to put – and they're not going to put uh, Calvert. It doesn't seem like they're going to move Calvert inside. It seems oh, like and they're not going to slide Darnell back inside. Yeah. Which so. kind of limits what your options are. Ryan Johnson makes the most sense with the most experience. But – Austin, you think it'll end up being right right guard by committee on Saturday? By committee, I agree with that. I just have a tough time seeing you know Akpergane being. A, I mean, like he may play, but I mean the upside is obviously there with him. They feel like the upside's there, but you know the floor is is pretty far down there. On when he, if he if he misses assignment, you know I mean again he just he missed all the spring, missed all the fall camp. He's had a hamstring uh, flare up on him for so long. I just have a tough time seeing them him getting a few weeks of practice and you know a couple of snaps against Georgia there with four minutes to go and then all of a sudden well, let's throw him out there. And, and I, I mean, I mean, also don't you think that no matter how what we see him doing games and, and Ryan Johnson's a great kid. I'm not trying to denigrate him, but I just think Will Friend's comfortable with him because he knows what to do, I, even if he can't physically do it all the time. I, I'm skeptical of anything we see uh, at practice. That's just me. I mean, I don't, I don't, you guys may feel differently. I'm skeptical of like, I mean, go back to the Florida game. Ollie Lane was running with the twos. He didn't even travel. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, right. I just think they just. Well, an individual period, which is what we see, it, it looks one way and it may end up being totally different. I think it's pretty clear, to me it was anyway, on Wednesday at, on, at the practice field, it was Ryan Johnson needs some reps as a backup center in case something happens to Brandon Kennedy. And by giving him some of those individual reps in the individual period, it meant Chris Akperogene got a bunch more reps at right guard to try to speed him up. Not that he's going to start, but... but, If they had to turn to him, they don't want it to be a disaster. Chris can't get enough reps right now because he's missed so many, as you mentioned. So I think that's a little bit of that. Ryan Johnson makes the most sense. 
because for what Rob's mentioned, that's where your biggest comfort level is right now because he's played so many snaps. He's played in the SEC. And he was the first guy they went to when Lockley went down. Right. But it you know, if we have to, we have to go by what we what we've seen in recent history. I mean, that's what games. they did on Saturday. Right. That, that's where they, that's where they would go. And I don't think they want to upset the left side of the line either, because I think that side is starting to get a little continuity with Wanye and and Trey Smith. And Wanye spoke about it this week, Which, Rob. You know, he he feels pretty comfortable with how much Trey's helping him. They're starting to and develop. I think, a I little think Wanye is obviously getting better. Right. Yeah, I think he is too. I mean, he didn't have his best game against Georgia, not, yeah. but I think he's getting better. But I'm not saying he's a top-shelf SEC lineman yet, but he's made tangible progress in the, in the last month and a half. I, I, agree. I totally agree with that. Jesse brings up the best point about the, the tangible proof at Florida. When, when K-Ron went out, you know, the natural indication would have been leave Darnell at guard and bring in Mark Tatum. But their natural inclination was bump Darnell at the tackle bring in Riley Locklear. Well, that's because that's the next combination. That was going to be the next combination they went to. The other day, you know, Ryan Johnson comes in. Maybe that's the next combination they go to. Yeah, makes the most sense. Yeah. I mean, so. Well, this is what you hear coaches say this stuff all the time, and they say it whether they say in the preseason or even down through week six. When you line up, whether it's at offensive line, defensive line, whatever, but it specifically it, it pertains to the offensive line, you don't want to be playing – if your backup right tackle is your 12th, 10th offensive lineman, you don't want that guy to be number seven when you have to bring somebody in. You want to have – so that's why – That's why you, you cross-train exactly. so many people and, and why you do um, some of the th- – I, I think Tennessee, we all agree, took it too far 100%. this preseason. 100%. But that's why you cross-train guys to make sure you know you're pecking over your top seven. So if this guy's out at guard, here's how we adjust to get our next best lineman on the field, whether it's a tackle or – a guard or a center or whatever the case may be. So, again, change likely coming to that position because I don't think any of us feel like Lockner is going to be ready to go and be 100% even though he's listed as a game-time decision. Let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. I asked this question on Monday uh, or Tuesday in the podcast. I'll ask this question as we end the week. What do we expect out of Brian Maurer after a second week of practice with him as the full-time number one guy and Jim Chaney with a week to build a game plan with him. What's the next step with him? I know, and, and Rob, you make a great point. Don't take it too far, but you have. There, there's a progression. What do we think the next progression for him is? Well, I, I mean, if I'm Tennessee, the number one thing I'm doing is I'm going. I'm, wa- I'm taking. I'm, I'm watching the Auburn film and saying, what did the Tigers do to put so much stress on Mississippi State's defense that then allowed their freshman quarterback who has struggled elsewhere in every other game. Bo Nix had to throw at the end of the Oregon game. But in every other game, Bo Nix has struggled to complete passes. But against Mississippi State, he threw for 300 yards and looked like a five-star quarterback. So if, if I'm Jim Chaney, I'm saying, what did they do? And do, can we do some of those things to be successful? Now, we've talked about it, talked about it on the Rocky Top Roundtable. A lot of what Auburn did early in that game was go wide. They went Schwartz on, you know, on a reverse. They ran a little backside jet sweep to another guy. Um, you know, can Tennessee do some of that stuff to not only kind of help out their quarterback, but also, uh, you know, try to generate some creative ways to get some yards in the run game? Have you? Are you surprised that Tennessee's not done more of, of based on that? watching from all, what he what Cheney was doing at Georgia? Absolutely. I mean, look, I know they had the two tight end set against, you know, BYU and pitched it out there and, 
and ran it that way. But in terms of the jet sweep misdirection stuff, we haven't seen a ton of that. They run a couple of those plays, but they haven't run a ton of them. I saw one on fourth and one against BYU. Right. <laughs> but you saw, and you saw one three plays earlier. I mean, they ran two in that series, but what other ones have they run? I, was gonna, I, I agree. Is that the only two they've run this year? Yeah. But back, back to Maurer, I think, I mean, just listening to Jeremy talk after the game and also on, on you know, th- this week, I bet one thing they've really spent a lot of time with Brian on it is when to hand the ball off in those RPOs. That seemed to be one of Jeremy's – it's something he's come back to a couple times about, you know, making the right read in that situation. And I'm not saying that, – that's not really add another wrinkle, but that's something I would expect to see a little bit more of this week. Jesse, you think he missed some in watching the review? Do you think he missed some RPO, some run opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was two or three. I didn't think – I mean, uh, they obviously see with the All-22, it's much easier to see than what we see with the TV tape. Uh, because so much of that's predicated on how fast is that safety crashing down. Right. Um, which you can, you can see some of it on the TV. Uh, but, it's, it's again, it's much easier when you have the All-22 looking from the end zone. I mean, I thought, you know, basically their offensive line also just started to, you know, one year was much better in the first half, and the second half was when uh, Ojolari and some of the guys started getting after him. Uh, Nolan Smith started getting after Darnell on the other side. And so, naturally, a freshman quarterback started to feel pressure, and his decision-making waned. And, and that's to be expected, first career start. Um, I mean, the, the thing is, is that they're going to continue to call those RPO plays because those are the most successful plays that they had outside of the Callaway touchdown. Yeah. I mean, the, the slant to Jennings, the, 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 he hit that quick read um, to Jennings in the second drive, uh, which was a great throw. One of the only passes that I think the only pass that Dominic Wood Anderson caught was an RPO. He pulled it out and hit Wood Anderson for like a 15-yard out. Um, so I, I just do think that's going to be their passing game. Well, it should be. I mean, that, that's because that looks like that's where Maurer's most comfortable anyway. But you're going to have to give it some. You're going to have to run some out of that for guys to respect it. I think Georgia, because it was a, a you know a 15-point lead, Austin in the second half. I don't think they gave much respect to the anything. RPO. I mean, I think they were just like, hey, he's throwing it. You know, so we're going to blitz. And if he does run it, who cares? Yeah, if he cares. runs it and we give up four yards at the end of the day, we're not really worried about it. Or if they give it 15, they're not really worried. Right, about not with that you know. kind of lead that they got. Um, I mean, you know, and this week, you know, when we were out there again, you know, I always think there's a method to what we see out there versus what, you know, what they're actually going to do. But when we were out there, they were working, you know, quite a bit. You know, the tight ends were on, you know, slow releases and then you know kind of a double move and so I mean you have to wonder like do they do they work that where that you, you fake the short stuff and then try to to get up field and you know in the seam and the Jim Cheney chuck that thing method which he certainly loves to play in, in his passing game yeah and, and, and that will be an interesting you know Mauer completed 50 percent of his passes and he attempted I think he was two of eight for throws over 20 yards I mean the completion percentage there is not and is never going to be particularly high but you would like to see a little bit higher of a hit rate there. They hit the one to Callaway, um, but otherwise it was kind of a struggle. They hit the one to Jennings there in the second half right before uh, Maurer took the massive hit and fumbled. Yeah, the one, yeah. When, he, when Jennings one-handed it and the guy yeah. fell down. Cheney yeah. Yeah. likes that window in, if he can get the zone to. He likes that deep out uh, corner post or whatever you want to call it. He, he likes throwing the ball into that kind of that hole shot there. If they well, get the right well, throw Crompton through a lot. Yeah, Cheney's always thrown that pass. He's he's always that's that's a little bit of an old Spurrier play that Tennessee fans bang their head against the wall for a decade with because it seemed like it was always open. But he likes that 
he likes that hole shot behind the behind the corner in front of the safety to, to the bound or to the sideline uh, on that cut there if he can get it. Because let's talk about this Mississippi State defense. Rob and Jesse, Austin, all of you jump in. I know Rob, you had the matchup piece. When you look at the state defense, pretty good against Kentucky, bad against. Uh, Auburn for sure. They've had the suspensions. What do we know about this Mississippi State defense? I mean, they're just, I mean, they're a lot, Jesse's talked about it a lot this week. They're a lot better depending on what they're doing with the suspensions, you know, whether or not. I mean, I, I would, do we know? It sounds like Gay's probably going to play this week. This, the, you know, they'll, they'll, get, they'll have the safety as they mix and match all that. I mean, they were terrible against Auburn. I don't know that that would have looked a lot different no matter what guys they play. Um, they've had a hard time stopping the run. Um, you know, not, they're, Almost as bad. I mean, they're, they're really just as right right there with Tennessee. If you look at the SEC rankings, they're not a lot better against the pass. And what jumps out about in the passing defenses, they're giving up over eight yards in attempt, which is next to last in the league. So they are susceptible to, to the big play. Which would make sense with Cheney wanting to chunk it. They give up run yards, but can Tennessee run it against them? Yeah, well, I mean, everybody else has. Everybody well, they try to run it against them, Jesse. I, th- I mean, I, I, yeah, I think you have to, right? But, I, I mean, mean I mean, this is a. I but they have, obviously we, that's what we've been saying about you know right. Tennessee for a couple of weeks. Help out the quarterback. But I mean, this is this will be the. It's a little bit skewed because Georgia and Florida, I think, are really salty on defense, and you know Mississippi State's not in that class. But Tennessee average. They played two SEC games. They're averaging two point eight yards per carry. I mean, that's that's sorry. I don't care who you're playing. I agree. I mean, again, it's the same. You know, same message. Same message. Um, you know, and. and you know, Rob's right. Mississippi State not as good, but they're st- they still got some guys. I mean, it's not like that. You know, they're rolling out there with a the trash defense. So I mean, like Tennessee will have to. I, I think just more than anything, just commit to it. You know, find ways. Uh, you know, to be uh, to be creative in the run game. Um, and I think you you still have to see more Eric Gray. Um, you know, I, I know you mentioned on the Rocky Top Roundtable, Tim. You thought Tim Jordan did some good things, especially in pass protection. Um, I don't disagree with that. Maybe you just have to be that deliberate where when nine comes in, you know, he's more of the the, the pass blocker than he is a run threat. I thought they pretty much were until that last drive of the game. I mean, yeah. I didn't think he, I didn't think when he played, I think everybody, I certainly felt like it was going to be a passing play whenever Jordan came in in the first three quarters. But point taken, you know, I just think you got to you got to try to run it a little bit more. You got to try to have a little bit more balance. Help yourself out there. I mean, Mississippi State to show you how less how little Tennessee's running. Mississippi State's running back has as many yards after contact as Ty Chandler has all season, and Ty is Tennessee's leading rusher with 320 yards total. Yeah, I've been yeah, and and you toss in Schrader, the quarterback. They've got two two of the top ground gainers in the top eight ground gainers in the SEC. Does it feel like State and Tennessee are a little bit parallel right now? I mean, you got a second-year coach and Moorhead down there. you got a second-year coach and Jeremy Pruitt. I think, I think we'd all agree that Moorhead inherited better, probably better talent overall, uh, certainly a more experienced team for year one. But they've got a freshman quarterback. They've got some, some holes they're trying to fill on defense and trying to figure a way. That, I mean, does it feel like they're a little bit similar, or I don't want to say mirror, but a little bit similar to each other in terms of trying to – to build things, although State was a better, was more stable when Moorhead got there than when Pruitt got to Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because they, I mean, they had three guys go in the first round this this past draft. Um, but I would, I mean, I think both of them are kind of dealing with outside noise too. You know, I mean, there's been rumors about Moorhead and Rutgers, and uh, you know, perhaps that, that they're a guy if if they go for a sitting head coach, he's someone because he has these Northeast ties. Um, I tell, so, where, I tell you where I heard him to this week is if Narduzzi leaves Pitt, he'll push hard for the Pitt job. 
which would make some sense for for Warhead too. So if if that's if that starts to service, that's going to continue. But but go ahead. Yeah, and so when you when you talk about that, you talk about the these kind of juggling these suspensions. Um, you know, they lost a, a tight one to Kansas State. That was one that they probably didn't expect to, similar to Tennessee and BYU. Um, so the, I, I don't know about where, where the two programs are at, but this season in particular, they seem to be kind of Dude. mirroring. Uh, and that's why this is such a big game uh, that AP has said, you know, AP said, said at the beginning of the season, but now it's um, taking on an even larger uh Larger, just because if, if Tennessee loses this game, it's 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 hard to start picking out the wins. When you start to wonder about how this team does, everybody kind of keep holding together. I mean, look, your crowd Saturday night against Georgia was really good. I mean, hats off to the to, to that fan base. And, and I think it'll be good again at noon on Saturday. I, mean, I think, I think gonna, it'll be it's solid. Not be, it's not going to be full, but I mean, night for games a versus noon a game, day game yeah. for a noon game. I think it, for a game, Tennessee fans feel like they can. You know, walk away happy from. They're going to show up. And you, know? you got to. And you, you know, got win this week. Then, yeah, right. yeah. I mean, they're holding every game. They're holding on like there's no tomorrow for Brian Mauer. Yeah, but you know, so this is one that yes, this is it's gettable. I mean, it's not a laydown. It's not an automatic, but it's a gettable, winnable game for Tennessee if they go out and play and, and execute and get done what they need to get done. We've talked a lot about the offense. We've talked about Mississippi State's defense, what they do. What's Tennessee's defense? I mean. Look, at this point, you are who you are, and who you are is you can't rush the quarterback with any kind of consistency. So what's your answer to to that notion in trying to play defense? Because, again, it's not a shot at Jeremy Pruitt. You just can't play defense the way he wants to play defense with this unit right now. So what's the adjustment? Is it bend, don't break, give up yards, force field goals, kind of play it like an NFL defense, Rob, where you let a team drive it, and then, then you get real serious about you know, getting aggressive and, and trying to get a stop once a team crosses midfield or gets to the 40-yard line. How do you play it if you're I mean, Jeremy Pruitt, you, knowing who you are now? I mean, I think you almost have to because you just don't want to – I mean, you're not seeing anything from the secondary that makes you feel good about taking a lot of chances, I don't think. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, think that's a, I, I think that's a good idea. I mean, you're not you're – not, you're doing an awful job generating negative plays. I mean, they had two, tack, two tackles for loss against Georgia and 70 offensive snaps. That's not good. I mean, you're just you're looking at a lot of third. And, if you get him to third down, it's you know third and one, third and two, and you know it's just, it's it's hard to play defense that way. But by the flip side, it's if you're Jeremy Pruitt, you got to feel nervous about rushing six or seven and leave it. You've not got good safety play. Your your quarterbacks have been up and down at best. So I mean, I I think that to me, I don't think that's a bad option at all to try and make make people go the long way and then. If, you know, maybe get a little elaborate inside the 20 when the field shrinks. Yeah, I think the, the field shrinking it plays into Tennessee's hands. I mean, I think you bring up a great point of playing it like an NFL team does. You know, I mean, let them move it between the 20s and then, you know, hope when there's less field to cover you're able to, you know, I guess your deficiencies are masked a little bit, um, you know, which there are many on the defensive side. The problem, the problem with the bend but don't break is that I think to me this defense and where the depth is, it's going to eventually break, in my opinion. I mean, we've seen it week in and week out. They just don't have the depth to withstand. So um, I, I think they're going to have to force turnovers. They're going to have to get aggressive. And I, I think that's, you know, we saw them doing some creative stuff out at practice on Wednesday. Um, 
it's it's going they're going to have to but you know rob talked about the the lack of tfls that that's what they're going to have to continue to kind of do i think they're going to have to actually gamble a little bit and take some pressure because if you allow hill and trader and these guys just to continue to eat yards eat yards eat yards um, suddenly that puts even more pressure on a freshman quarterback to respond with some of these drives. Uh, but conversely, I mean, the, the, how many snaps can Toa Toa and, and Batuli withstand, you know? And, and that's kind of the, the flip side of just letting a team kind of march down the field slowly and then saying, all right, we'll get a stop on the race. And, and, and it's magnified by the fact that Tennessee can't run the ball well enough to give its defense a rest. Exactly. I mean, th- I mean, this is a, I mean, this, I think this is a great point. I'm a big fan of Mike Lombardi. I don't know if you guys in his podcast former Patriots general manager, and he has a great quote that he says all the time. It's like, the best way to play defense is to play less of it. You know, play, play 25 minutes of defense instead of 35 minutes of defense. And that's what, you know, Tennessee's not been able to do. Well, when you only, I mean, Georgia had a third down snap one every seven snaps in the first half. They were only in third. I mean, forty-two offensive snaps in the first half. I think they were in six off, six third-down plays. Yeah, and the two of those field yeah, goals I mean, that they got in the they that was because Georgia self-inflicted with penalties yeah, themselves. I mean, and just look. I mean, in two SEC games again, Georgia and Florida are really good, but still, they held the ball. Georgia held it for thirty-six and a half minutes. Florida held it for thirty-five and a half minutes. Be, I mean, that's just it's going where you. I mean, that's and. and Tennessee's depth is not good anyway. Even if you have good depth, it's hard to win that way. Do we see Do we see Crouch at inside linebacker this week? I think for sure. Yeah, I think that again. I think, I think it's more minimally. Long. Yeah, I think there you go. He he spells some guys to give him a, you know a few plays off, um, but pl- mostly plays outside. I think I tend to think he's going to play more inside, just because I I, I just think he's going to have a hard time as an outside guy against the zone read stuff. I think I think that's hard for him to find the football outside because I don't think that's I don't think that's second nature to him at this point. I think when you look at him, he's still struggling some in space. So you I, think that, so, so you think that, that they go DeAndre Johnson there because they're not going to go Roman Harrison, or is that a Bennett deal? Well, I, I mean, I think, Kevon, I think you're going to see Kevon Bennett play a little bit more. You know, just based you, on practice, I think you may stay in nickel a whole bunch and then and then you know kind of scheme around it that way a little bit the, the way they did it at times uh, on Saturday. So. I don't know. I mean, maybe he plays out there. I just think that's a real challenge for whoever. I, I, you know, I would throw Daryl Taylor in this because I don't think Taylor's playing well. I think it's a real challenge for those guys in space right now, particularly in the run game, uh, to, to, to maintain the discipline, to take the outside stuff away. They've not played a ton of zone read stuff yet. They haven't faced that a whole lot. Um, I, I think that's going to be a real challenge for this defense this week to find the football. Georgia State didn't run it a lot but they did enough RPO stuff, and the quarterback was timely when he kept the ball and was effective when he kept it on the zone read. Mississippi State's committed to doing that. They want their quarterback to run it 10, 12, you know, 13 times a game. Tennessee's not faced that. I think that's a heck of a challenge for, for Tennessee's defense, given the way they played in space against the run to this point. Yeah, because the, even, the, even the little the Mormon – Manzel, he, he he was not his own read. He was more of just kind of a playground running around. He, he'd break you down in the within the context of a pass play. Not 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 a lot of QB sweeps and design right, runs. Right, not a lot of designs. This is the first team that they play that's really going to call a design run and and, re, and really get after it that way. So I, I think I think that is I think that and tackling is Tennessee's biggest challenge this week. Finding the football in open space. And, and, and knocking the running back backwards instead of getting drugged three or four yards is Tennessee's biggest challenge when you look at this matchup and trying to slow down Mississippi State's offense. I just, 
I, I mean, they didn't miss tackles. You talked about this on the round table. Their numbers of missed tackles weren't bad, but they didn't tackle anybody going their direction. They were they were getting drugged to the ground, you know, two, three yards after, four yards after contact. And I, I think that's got to be a major concern for Pruitt now and, and obviously moving forward for the rest of the season as well. Plenty of stuff in this matchup that's intriguing. Two pretty even teams, even though the, I, I think the point spread's a little bit higher than all of us thought it would be. They, they feel like they're pretty evenly matched with a lot of question marks and some similarities coming into this game. Quickly on recruiting, Tennessee had the big weekend. We talked about that um, on the podcast on, on Tuesday. This weekend seems to be a bit of a light recruiting weekend, but some notables coming in. Well, Tennessee hopes to get uh, Harrison Bailey up. They hope to get Keyshawn Lawrence in. Um, Elijah Howard will come in, um, the 2021 commit. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you're right. The, the numbers will be less. I'll be interested to see where Tyler Barron goes this weekend. Does he come over? Um, same thing with Jay Hardy. And then, uh, um, and then of course, Cooper will be here. So, you know. Yeah. I think, how big is it if they, if they can get Lawrence and, and Bailey here? Just to just – and, I, and look, I know those guys may take visits if this thing doesn't go any better for Tennessee. I mean, I think that's, I don't think they're the only commitments in that deal, but how important is it for them to see tangible proof with their own eyes in, 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 the, in the house? How, how big of a deal is it if they can get them here? I think it's important, um, especially Keyshawn. You know, I, I think he's going to have more options than Harrison Bailey is. Um, that's not a knock on Harrison, but, you know. So many quarterbacks are off the board. Yeah, quarterbacks Everybody's are off the board. Um, and you only take so many. So, um, you know, in my mind, it's bigger if Keyshawn gets in here. And, uh, you know, I mean, again, I think it's important if you can get Tyler Barron, Jay Hardy in, and Brent. I can't overstate enough how much they need to win. I mean, you know, <laughs> you don't win this one. You're 1-5. You're playing Bama. That's 1-6. That point, Katie barred the door because the the psyche, the you know the I guess where the teams at mentally could just be totally shot. And from a recruiting standpoint, you're back to selling only some sort of hope for the future. Whereas you could sell Jesse coming out of this past game. Hey, we're there. We just don't have enough of you. Okay, we're there in the first half. We just ran out of gas. Whether that's true or not, that's a sale that you can make. You got to back that up though this week with with some with something, don't you think? Yeah, and 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 I mean, and Tennessee's also that you know they're they're kind of right AP. They're trying to hold on. I mean, with guys like I mean Jay Hardy, I think they're in a good spot for, but you know he's starting to flirt with Auburn. Obviously, Chris Morris, they're back in the middle of it, um, but they I mean it's they're back in the middle of that but they had can they survive this this weekend at texas a&m and so it, a win saturday i think again kind of pushes you it halts any any sort of momentum uh kind of elsewhere Be interesting to see what happens on the recruiting front basketball obviously pj hall is in we talked about uh, that I'm sorry, it's next weekend oh it's next week. i misspoke sorry. on monday okay so I he's not coming in this weekend he's coming in the 18th. next week for for the alabama game he'll be in town so no basketball in of note this weekend He's uh, coming in on a weekend where there's no home game. Yeah, how about Interesting. that? And he will, he'll be oh, in I mean, I think it also – the, the James Springer was out of that stadium by first quarter on Saturday. It's yeah, the, I know. The, um, will, will there be any of those committee guys come up here while he's up here? Somebody asked that. I don't think so. feel like it, right? I, I mean, Corey Walker's definitely not coming back from, you know, Central Virginia. He, I mean, Keon may pop in, but I doubt it. I mean, with, with no home game and, and – 
they'll be they'll be starting their own practices. Right. So it'll be all PJ. I think it'll be all PJ. It'll be all I, I mean, but that's a week from now. That's not coming up this weekend. So uh, we'll have plenty of basketball. Need, I need to clean one thing up. I, I meant to mention this in the war room last week. And I forgot. Tennessee had a very big underclass underclassman visit as well last weekend. Jaden Bradley, big time point guard, plays at a private school over in Charlotte. Plays with Bobby Mays. I mean, he's a he's a top ten national recruit in twenty twenty two. He's a youngster, but. One that Vol, Vol fans should keep an eye on. Well, that's important to get him in early because we know in basketball recruiting it's a multi-year process with those guys for sure. So um, some basketball, uh, a nugget there to close out the podcast. We'll have full basketball coverage for you coming up later today. It's Basketball Media Day. Rick Barnes meeting the media, so we'll have full coverage of that. And we'll have full coverage of Tennessee and Mississippi State on Saturday. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Rob Lewis, Jesse Simonton, and Austin Price, I'm Brett Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend, everybody.